Welcome to Healthcare Disrupted, where conversations, topics, and innovators share how they are disrupting healthcare to change a cookie-cutter healthcare system to become more innovative, creative, and result-driven. Now, here are your hosts, Renee Lumain and Jasmine Vilas. Welcome back to Healthcare Disrupted. I'm your host, Renee Lumain. And I'm Jasmine Vialis. Today is August 30th, 2020, and this is our seventh episode. We have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Dr. Madge Barnes, CEO of Barone Health and Medical Advisory and Public Speaker. Her mission is to educate and empower our global community through various programs, which includes Medical Moments, Play, F7, and G3. Without any further ado, welcome Dr. Barnes to the show. Welcome. Well, thank you, Renee. Thank you, and Jasmine. It's a pleasure on this nice, toasty um, Sunday afternoon, the last Sunday in August. Yay! <laughs> Autumn is going to be here, and it won't be so hot in Texas, but right now it's really warm. But I, I do yeah. appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about myself and, and what I believe God has called me to do with you as well as the viewing audience in the future. So I appreciate being asked. Absolutely. You know, I just want to tell, you know, I just want to tell our listeners that Dr. Barnes and I, we go back, is it five, six, seven years or so? No, it's actually seven years. Oh, seven years. Okay. And (laughs) (laughs) she loves to correct me. I'll tell you. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It It's the numbers, Renee. But Dr. Barnes. Okay. It is, it is. 2013, <laughs> but June Dr. 2013, okay, go ahead. 2013, <laughs> absolutely. That's when I moved to, to Texas and uh, mm-hmm. working at JPS Health Network. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, my clinic was, I think, maybe a block over from where the clinic she was at. And I remember when I was asked uh, to go help out at that practice, I think the practice manager was out. I can't remember the, the reason why, but you know, there I walked into the clinic and you couldn't miss Dr. Barnes. Uh, you know, the moment I saw her, it was something of, about her. I mean, it's just her presence, you know. <laughs> it just screams queen. It's, you know, it's just. It. <laughs> so, and, you know, you, you know, just having the opportunity to get to meet her. I mean, she has such a wonderful personality. I've learned a lot from her. And, uh, you know, she continues to um, uplift you know, people, especially people of color. And so I think, you know, for her, hearing her story is amazing. <laughs> She's patting those eyes already. Yeah, I know she is. She is. I know. I know. <laughs> Bringing out the tears. <laughs> Getting those tears. Vapors. <laughs> got the vapors. Okay, go ahead. Oh, my I'm sorry. Goodness. I'm going to behave. So we, <laughs> we don't, don't yeah, behave. Yeah. Don't behave. <laughs> no one likes a well-behaved person. We got to okay. You got to break out, right, Dr. Barnes? That's right. So, you know, our first question to you, Dr. Barnes, and um, I know you and I, we've always talked, but I think this will be a great opportunity just to really understand as to, you know, why you chose to be in the healthcare industry. May I talk now? Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, um, that's that's a very quick. Good question. It's a very common question. And usually the preceding question that I get is, have you always wanted to be a doctor? And my answer is absolutely not. No. As a matter of fact, I did not decide to become a 
doctorate to go into um, medicine until my second semester, sophomore year in college. And I'll tell you why. When I was in high school, I wanted to become a dentist. And so I went to my guidance counselor, told my guidance counselor, who was a um, European older male, I said, you know, I want to be a dentist. And his response to me is, you know, Madge, that's going to take a long time to do. He didn't say no, but he basically said, was telling me, you don't, you're not qualified to do that. That's going to take too long. So I changed my mind. I said, well, I'll listen to him. He is my guidance counselor. So when I got to college, I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I, I pretty much floundered around with, you know, looking at various degrees and opportunities, you know, did I want to go into nursing? It's like, no, social work, no, medical technology, didn't even know what it was. And I said, well, maybe that. But finally, when the time came my sophomore year to declare a major, I noticed that I had an aptitude and I was taking the same courses as some of my friends that were in pre-med. And I had one of my sisters to say, well, why don't you go to medical school? I'll pay for it. Now, this is the key word. I'll pay for it. And so, <laughs> that was, <laughs> no, because I'm still waiting for that money. <laughs> so I changed my, I said, well, why not? And I changed my major, my second semester, sophomore year, went to some school, thankfully graduated on time because I had always had an interest in the aptitude for science. As a matter of fact, I, I tell the story, I've told the story in the past of my sisters are older than I am and they were in college and when they'd come home for summer school, they would bring their health and their science books and I was maybe a, probably a seventh grader, eighth grader and during the summer, this is the nerd factor, I would read their um, college health books wow. and I had such an interest in them and it's like, this is so interesting. So I knew I had a, a desire for it and I just you know, I'm a believer and I'm a Christian. I believe God puts things in you well before you're even formed. So it was in me from the foundation of the world. I just didn't know. And it just took some process right. to get it out. Right. Peeling off the layers. Um, <laughs> once I uh, made that decision, I graduated on time in May of 1987. Okay. And went to residency in family medicine. Wow. I always wanted to, you know, everybody says, you know, I just want to help people, but you can help people in ways that are not medicine. You can help people in easier ways and four-year degrees, but there, it, it was a destiny movement and a moment for me to choose medicine. Hmm. So it was a part of the divine plan for my life, divine mission. So I really didn't have a choice. I could have tried other routes, but nothing really was going to satisfy me and get me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. had I not um, followed that, that line of um, education and educational pursuit. Mm -hmm. That was a long answer, wasn't it? No, <laughs> that was a wonderful I mean, answer. Yeah, it's a story. Yeah. That was good. I love it, yeah. <laughs> Great learning about you and the journey there. I mean, I think that some folks don't really identify with the fact, you know, that they that it's already in them. They just have to listen sometimes, right? You know, take the long way around, but exactly. you're going to get there anyway. <laughs> exactly. Like Moses, you know, going 40 years, I said, you know, I'm too old. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, years. Thing. I'm like, right. I'd be like in a wheelchair trying to see the first patient. Just <laughs> pretty early on. And, and you know, I, that's, that's one of the things. It's so important. I just want to make this point of having mentors that are early mentors because a good mentor and good guidance counselors 
would have helped me when I said, oh, I want to be a dentist, you know, could have guided me, given me a little more information versus saying, well, no, it's not going to be mm -hmm. too long. But I believe even that was a part of the divine plan because right now, had I become a dentist and God knows I love them, I've got relatives that are dentists and it's a wonderful career, but I wouldn't have been able to do that because I, you know, I don't like spit and I don't like in people's mouths. So I would have, you know, I would have thrown up the first date. So uh. <laughs> I really have to thank Mr. Vinson, who was that gentleman that told me it was, you know, it would take too long because yeah, geared me away from it and basically into my destiny. So even though he was, it might have been a biased move on his part, it really was a, de a destiny and divine move. Okay. God. You know, I'm glad that you said that because I was going to ask you, um, you know, as far as do you regret not becoming a dentist, but you basically answered it for me. <laughs> People do hot. No, I don't. <laughs> I can almost throw up when I do it. So when I go to the dentist, so no, I, I am grateful. I'm really playing in people's mouths. That's not for me. I could never. <laughs> and nowadays with COVID-19, uh, oh, yeah upset you know they're they're wanting folk to come back and i said you know, well, I, mm -hmm. i'm gonna wait i mean i used to go to the dentist every four months but now i'm waiting because mm -hmm. i don't think it's it's ready and it's that we're ready to do that or at least i'm not ready to take that chance right wow interesting so you know dr barnes i know in in the past when you know, you and I have spoken, we, you know, you've kind of shared some stories, you know, about you growing up um, in, you know, in um, in society where, um, you know, things are kind of similar a little bit to maybe to how it is today as far as, you know, racial um, injustice. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious to know how was it like for you when you were going through school and, you know, pursuing medical school? Very, very challenging. Um, even, you know, if I even go back to, you know, um, fifth grade, because I, I went, you know, when I, I'm older than most, pretty much both of you probably put together, but it's, um, <laughs> when I, you know, I went to what they call consolidated schools or all black schools until the fifth grade. Oh, wow. The year before it was required. So I was one of three um, black students at the elementary school and it was, probably the most challenging year as a child that you can imagine because mm. you know I remember bursting into tears one day because a little um, white boy didn't want to sit beside me but then I had you know other friends that took me out and, and, I, and, I, and it's like wow it's just so challenging and I was in a part of the you know the what they call the dirty south you know, North Carolina where I mean all, a lot of the south is, is was pretty biased in the 60s and 70s but you know and that was definitely true to form and yeah. just having to experience that that you're always felt felt you were second class and mm -hmm. as a child even believing that as a mm -hmm. or sixth grader even saying you know i'm i know i'm not good enough and i know i'm not smart enough and and so becoming very having a low self-esteem and feeling less than all the time even though I was smarter than 95% of my classmates. I knew things when I came to the um, integrated school that my classmate would say, how'd you know by it? You know, the very, <laughs> and it's like. You always got to act it out. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, that's the way we talk in Clayton, North Carolina. I love you, Clayton. Shout out to Clayton. But, 
Um, <laughs> but they, I knew things, for instance, I knew the preamble to the Constitution, and I can say it to this day, I won't say it now, but is I knew that in the fourth grade, and they didn't know it. And it's like, how'd you know that? Because, you know, I had that type of start, and, and sometimes I think I continued that start. I probably would have been a lot further along, but I think all things work together for the good. So I just, yeah. just always feeling like you're less than and the, and the teachers just always making you feel like you weren't the best and you weren't good enough. You know, going into um, undergraduate, always being one of, you know, a, a handful or the only African-American black. Now, I think the, the key word now is we black. everybody's not from Africa. So. <laughs> Renee, um, all blacks, um, being one of the only blacks, and you almost get to the point you're accustomed to it. So when you see more than one, it's you get the, the soul brother and soul sister head nod, you know, <laughs> you know, you know y'all we're, we're together, you know. But um, it's almost as if you get to accept biases. I go into situations with the expectation that I'm going to be, there's going to be discrimination. The college that I attended, there was a 10% 10% blacks at that college. Mm. So I, you know, again, you still expect that. I remember being called the N word, you know, for my group of Caucasian gentlemen. Uh, and I say gentlemen in the kindest possible way since I'm on yeah. Zoom. But um, it's <laughs> just, you, you get to the point, again, you, you accept it, but then you start to make the best of it so that it doesn't always embitter you and, and, and just cripple you in your ability to move forward and progress. Right. I say the fault is not in me, it's in the others and their ignorance, but I'm not gonna let that keep me from moving forward and what I believe I've been called to do. Right, don't let it define you. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So, now, go, go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say, just with with that said, now that years later, after kind of entering into to med school and with all of this awareness about bias, you think that you still experience that in healthcare today, that inequality or? Oh, definitely. Bias. Definitely. Right. Um, I sure do. And that's, I guess that's the, the sad part about it is that 30 years ago, I was in medical school and some of those same students, I saw some students a few years ago that are still experiencing the same things that I experienced. Even as um, a faculty person, even as a, you know, a pri in, in private practice and working in um, various clinics and clinic clinical settings throughout Texas. Yes, I, I've experienced it where, you know, there's sometimes folks just don't want to call you um, doctor, it's like Miss Barnes, and I say, you know, that's my sister, my mother. I'm Doctor Barnes. <laughs> so, but it's or Miss Madge, and I said, you know, that's that's just again, that's just ignorance on the part of white people, and and even sometimes even black females, and and that's the other part. But I won't even go down that road. But but for people just feel like as though they can't give you that proper in. Number one, you know, you're you're black and you're a female and you dress nicely. So it's not like you're not on a video, you know, on MTV, you're supposed to be dressed like that. So all these stereotypes play into people's minds. So when they see you and you're not, you're the antithesis of what they expect, they're thrown off guard. And, and I like that because I like breaking stereotypes because I, I am Dr. Madge Barnes who happens to be a female black and I, yeah, 
I like to dress well and I speak well. You know, I, one compliment that I think people used to say, and I've heard it said of me, and it really isn't a compliment, is like, wow, she's polished. And that used to, I used to think of that as a compliment, but it really isn't. What it's saying is, you don't talk like what I'm expecting a black person to talk like. So you're polished. So it's like, right. mm, that's not really. Under, it's a, a backhanded compliment in some yeah, way. Right? So it's like, <laughs> back at you, you know. Right. I 100% understand what you're saying mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. like, it was more like, I didn't expect you to look and sound like you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but on the phone also, it's, it's like, I thought you were white. I thought you were white. It's like, <laughs> what does white sound like? You know, speaking right. English, because I've, I've heard too many folks, patients and other folk that murdered mm -hmm. language that didn't look like me. So all these stereotypes and biases which are so prevalent still to this day it's like this is where we need to target um yeah. looking at um racism and racial issues and i you know we may talk about that later but that's 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 where it exists and it still exists yeah absolutely you know i want to share something too and i may have shared this story this before but but this isn't your interview <laughs> well i can i can you know tell stories too right <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I was in um, the Navy, I was, I was active duty at the time, and I was working on my bachelor's degree, and uh, I ended up doing an externship at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. During that time, actually, I used to have a gold crown on the bottom of my tooth here, a gold crown, and, um, and my preceptor, you know, he was... I think maybe at the time, the only uh, African-American guy who was in operations and he was highly respected guy. And to this day, I believe he still works at the Mayo Clinic. And of course he, he since uh, has moved up within the company mm -hmm. and uh, he sat me down and he said, Hey, Renee, listen, you are a motivated, um, bright, young, you know, brother. And he said, I want to share something with you and I hope you don't get offended by it. But you know, I just felt compelled to tell you this because this is how society will view you, right? And so mm -hmm. I said, okay, absolutely. I said, you know, tell me, you know, um, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to get offended. So he said, well, you know, the gold crown that you have on, on your bottom tooth, he said, if I were you, I would get that removed. And I, I guess my initial thought or reaction was like, why would I, you know, get that removed? This is who I am. This is me. It's a part of me. But, you know, he just said, listen, I don't want you to get mad. I don't want you to feel like you are changing who you are. But, but because you're so bright, I feel like you have a future. I don't want that one thing that you have on that tooth to mm -hmm. people already have this you know perception of who you are and mm -hmm. that's not even the case right so he said that can potentially be uh that one thing that can block opportunities for you to you know make it far in your career and so i remember leaving that conversation not upset at him but upset at the fact that wow there's people out there that will you know, think of me in some type of way without even really knowing mm -hmm. me. And so I remember after much thought, I 
I ultimately decided to get it removed. And so, you know, I'm glad I did. But again, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I think um, just being an African-American person living in this country and just really trying to move up, um, you know, you almost have to, you know, make sure you are on point because, you know, sometimes, you know, that perception might you know, may potentially play a part, you know. And so again, I just, you know, just kind of hearing Dr. Barnes, you know, tell, tell her story, I just felt like sharing that. So. Mm-hmm. And, and can I just interject a good mm-hmm. example of, of something that happened, uh, wasn't with me, but I mentored a young gentleman, um, his junior, beginning his junior year in, uh, at UT Arlington, and he was pre-med. And so right before he started to do his interviews for residency, he came in one day and he had twist in his hair, he had twisted him because he'd, he'd been short, you know, nice, clean cut. Mm-hmm. Looked at him, I was like, Mm-mm, no. I said, no. I said, you're getting ready to go on interviews. I said, yeah. keep those twists. Basically, you know, that's what they're going to see. Like, you know, they're going to have these stereotypes. It's their issue. You're trying to get in. I said, once you get in, you can do what you want to with your hair. But to get in there, to, to make things all even in this society, society's idea of what's normal um, twist out so he did and I think now he is a pediatric anesthesiologist in Houston but I'm just you know and and it's sad that we have to do that and and it's sad that we still feel that we have to do that because Mm -hmm. of IT considers the norm which is the white norm and I think we need to to get past that because mm-hmm. aren't all people are different colors for a purpose and we have different idiosyncrasies there's a purpose and there's a, a beauty in it if we can ever embrace it and stop trying to erase it mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely so true so yeah. much truth in all those words <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> very so. true and so uh, dr barnes would tell us um uh, you know because I know you kind of shared, you know, with your stories, but uh, is there, you know, a time, you know, throughout your career where you may have felt like you have been discriminated against because you are a woman physician and, you know, just being in the healthcare industry? Woman physician, probably most of the time because they, you know, it's the women, you know, now medical schools, it's about 50%, 50-50 male, female but um, back in the day when I was there, it, that wasn't the percentage, and it was definitely black females were even lower, but females weren't yeah. half the class. So, you know, you walk on the hall with your uh, other colleagues, students, and or medical students, and you're the unit secretary, or, you know, who is she? Is she, you know, even when I was in residency, it's like, okay, I'm walking with my, I'm a resident, and then I have an intern, which is one year under me. It's like, okay, they go to him first. It's like, you know, he's caught, he's a white male. I'm the black female. I said, no, I'm his supervisor. Oh. Always having to, you know, let, let's let's correct that. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. smart. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm his supervisor. And and having, and thankfully, you, I had an intern that would know better than to say, oh, yeah, yeah I could take over. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm your boss, buddy. Remember that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but you know, having to, to have to do that quite often and yeah. and, and sometimes have, one thing that I have learned though, and I'll share this is I love football and Renee knows this. I used to like the Cowboys, but now I no longer like the Cowboys. Um I like the team, I just don't like the owner because 
for obvious reasons. I think there's some biases there and won't go into that like the stadium love. But um, I like to talk sports and I've, I've, I've realized that how you deal with good old boys and boys and boys in the hood is you go in the room and I go in and I'm very confident and I start talking about sports. That, that's the great equalizer for some reason in this country and you can see that now. And I start talking football and that kind of that brings me to a, she's all right. <laughs> I'm smart because I know football and I know it in detail, even so, even more so than other females. It's like, cause I've had uh, one of my, my chairman of my department, we were talking football. He says, if there were other ladies in the room, he says, they don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> you? Okay, you are the one we were talking about. Yes, uh. <laughs> guilty as charged. <laughs> but I love sports, so I have found that that's my secret weapon. I guess it's not a secret anymore since I'm telling it. But yeah. that's how I I can get past that female yeah. uh, mm-hmm. stereotype. She da 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 da. It's like, no, let's talk some sports. Let's talk some, you know, yeah. uh, you know. And, and I, I'm I, I like to think I'm athletic. I'm really not because I'm injury prone. I've had a broken finger, broken nose, arm, playing basketball. And that was just one game. No, it wasn't one. <laughs> but um, but I'll, I'll play every sport and try any sport. If I can play football, um, I will be out there. I, I just I just can't run and I'm not going to hit. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. You don't want to get tackled. <laughs> I nails. And but, um, <laughs> but that's how it helps me. Now, the other problem with um, – yeah females is, you know, me being a female is with other females because I'm a tall woman, you know, I'm five, eight, you know, I like to dress well because that's what I've always done. I don't make apologies for that. And, and women decide immediately, I don't like her. And, and that's not just, that's not white women. That's not black. That's, that's been women in general, often, not all, but very often intimidated that they don't like me before they even talk to me. And so once they get, once they get past that and they start to talk to me and they realize she's funny and I've, you know, it's been very common that they will come back and say, I thought you were like da 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 da, but you are so funny. You are so nice. It's me in my head is like, well, I haven't changed. It was you. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was because I wasn't, and, and, and I, and I keep saying, I'm not, you know, and I used to be a time when I would try to, okay, let me try to fit in. Win them over. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm no more apology tours. You know, I, I'm not a female <laughs> that likes to cook and I don't like to talk about children. I don't like to talk about husbands because I don't have either of them and I'm bitter. No, I'm not really bitter. I'm just <laughs> I'm just not married, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I like. But oh, okay, I know. Cut that part. Cut that no. part. There's no ring. <laughs> oh, but I do, I, I do. But I do. I've learned how to get along with women, or women. I'm gonna put it this way: women have gotten learned how to get along with me because mm-hmm. get past the stereotype. And sometimes that often that's that issue is within themselves of intimidation or self. It is intimidating. Yeah, they're intimidating. And so I can't change that. I can only be who I am and hope that you have the courage and the fortitude, intestinal fortitude to let me, let me just get to know her and spend time with her. Mm -hmm. I don't believe I'm better than anybody else. I don't believe I'm worse than anybody else. And I treat folk that way. Some of my Mm -hmm. friends and people that I've loved are medical assistants and CEOs and you're all my friends, you know, all my friends are not doctors. Cause I'm one 
be boring. <laughs> I, I like variety of people, really, because doctors can be boring, you know. Hey, for sure. Wow, what, what surgery did you do today? <laughs> Please. Uh, <laughs> so, have a not all doctors, eyes, but I mean, <laughs> So yeah. I just like variety of people. And, and so that has helped me. And I know that was a really long yeah. answer to a mm -hmm. very short question, but. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all right. And so, you know, with inequality, I think, you know, people have experienced it on so many different levels. And mm -hmm. uh, again, I think just looking at it for, from the healthcare industry, right? Um, I know I've been in situations where I felt like, man, you know, whether just overlooked for certain opportunities or, mm -hmm. you know, just <clears throat> certain things happen. I just, I'm, I'm just kind of curious because I know in the world that we live in today, and as you can see in the news with, um, you know, whether it's racial profiling or just, you know, inequality in general. What do you think in healthcare needs to happen to where we can kind of balance that out uh, to where people of color are having the same opportunities? Because one thing I always say is that whenever um, I apply to an organization, the first thing, or, or if I'm just doing research on a company, the first thing I always do I always look at the people in the C-suite because I because I feel like the people in the C-suite uh, tends to be a reflection of how the organization is going to look like. And so, um, you know, in healthcare, um, you know, all the organizations I've worked for has been predominantly, you know, Caucasian, maybe one you know, one pepper in there, you know, you know, one African-American so, or maybe one Asian, mm -hmm. but it's just like, okay, you know, and, and again, not taking anything away from those who are in those positions, but I do understand that uh, the go to boys club actually do exist. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. people will put whoever they want in these positions mm -hmm. and it is what it is. I get it. But I'm just kind of curious, uh, Dr. Barnes, from your perspective, I mean, what do you think needs to be done in the healthcare industry uh, to kind of balance out um, the, the, you know, equality and making sure that people of color are actually getting, um, you know, just equal, you know, opportunities and just being looked at mm -hmm. just like their counterparts? Mm -hmm. That is a excellent $64 million, not even a thousand, that's a million dollar yeah. question. And yeah. I'm going to be very... <laughs> Um, frank with you. Mm -hmm. I believe the issue, we've heard the issue of racial disparities to, for me ad nauseum. And I remember being in meetings, I said, you know what, I am tired of hearing about racial disparities and blacks. We know that's the issue. The problem, yeah. I believe the solution lies not in blacks, it lies in white people and white leadership and white faculty. There's institutional racism that exists starting undergraduate, definitely in medical school, mm -hmm. in medical school and, and all the way up the chain. And when it starts in medical school, what you're doing is taking the white faculty or taking, they take that um, mindset and they are teaching. But how can you really teach when you have that bias within yourself? So I think the first issue is for white America, white faculty, white leadership in the medical profession to accept the fact that there are there is institutional racism and race racism within we always mm -hmm. 
to, and, and in the past it's always been, let's look outside. So maybe if blacks do this, this, mm -hmm. is, this isn't a black issue this time. This is a white issue, probably even more so white male, but definitely a white faculty issue and mm -hmm. white America issue that needs to be taught. Mm -hmm. What should happen is if I were a white American, given what we're seeing now, it's like, okay, this is real. I need to start studying and finding out for myself. And I need to find out, do I, am I, am I a racist? Do I have some racial biases? Do I have um, the good, what do they call it? The good, there's a book entitled that I purchased called The Good White Person and the problem with good white people because the good white people will stand with you for Black Lives Matter, but if you wanted to bring a Section 8 house into their neighborhood, they would fight it tooth and nail. If you wanted to, you know, let's say, let's do this and this. It's like, I, I love Black Lives Matter, but you know, y'all stay over there. Because mm -hmm. in their mind, there's still the superiority, the issue, that right. white entitlement mentality. And these are tough conversations. These are tough things to say. I don't like saying them, but I believe unless we're really gonna get real and drill down and, and cut out all the, yeah. Well, black people need, no, no, no. This is not a black people need to do. This is what white America needs to do. Mm -hmm. And listen, which is a microcosm of America, white faculty, white, white leadership needs to accept that responsibility that's within them. Look inward before you start looking outward. Mm. And yeah. that is key. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no, wonderful. Thank you for, for uh, sharing that. You know, I think, uh, that question itself will, you know, begs for a loaded answer, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and most people don't want to answer it because yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a hard question. It is. And, and most white people don't want to say, I might have some biases and I've had privilege. No, I mean, it's like, okay, I've, I've accepted that privilege. Yeah, that's a tough conversation. But if you really say you really care and that George Floyd really mattered and that bothered you, then you're going to be willing to hurt a little bit. You're going to be willing to take some pain, anger, um, some uh, gut-wrenching conversations and inward self-evaluation and transformation not change the problem and i say that because change does not last you know change occurred in 9 11 change occurred with george floyd change occurred we've had these various situations it's everybody does kumbaya for a while but then everybody goes back to where they are transformation transformational thinking needs to take place this time among white people mm -hmm. what will that and, and what happens because with transformation you think about it this way a butterfly never returns to being a moth is never in a cocoon ever. That's the difference in transformation and change. Mm -hmm. Want to make a difference mm. to be a transformative thinking. And what will that do? Number one, when you start to have white faculty and white leadership in healthcare that come to themselves and realize their thinking needs to, to be transformed, what's going to happen? They're going to first reach outward, I'd hope, to their families and those around them who have had the the jokes that were using the N-word and they thought were okay, they laugh about it, get that inward transformation and then start to treat their patients that don't look like them, those black patients differently because they may just see it as, oh yeah, that's, they're ignorant, you know, people of color. Versus, this is a human being and I've yeah. been blessed. And I, that means I've not practiced the best quality of care because I've overlooked many factors in their lives because I didn't take the time to get to know them. But mm -hmm. I 
prejudged, prejudiced, prejudged them. Yes. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful analogy. I mean, I really love that explanation of the difference between change and transformation. That was mm -hmm. that was wonderful. And being prejudged, which is mm -hmm. what, what Renee, that story you told earlier, that's that was the fear mm -hmm. of prejudgment, right? We all exactly. we all fight that, especially when you know you're getting into an environment where, where the conversation that we're having right now is the realization that, you know, healthcare is it is a good old boys club and it, mm -hmm. most of those good old boys don't look like us. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. you know, we make black females are about three to 5% of all doctors. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. That's, I mean, that's low. Yeah. That's it, powerful. That mm -hmm. number three to mm -hmm. five. Wow. What are we doing to grow that? What are we doing? Doc? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, STEM programs, you know, I like to mentor. I, it's very important for me to mentor. Yeah. Right now I have, I think I'm, I counted six or seven people that I mentor and just, you know, just allowing that because I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have the benefit of having a mentor. So I want to do that, which was not afforded to me or I had the opportunity to mentor to say, you know what, there's an option. You think you might want to be a doctor? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's, t let's see what the process is. Let me help you along the way, mentoring see one, do one, and then pass that along generationally. Sometimes we don't think we can do other things because of where we grow up, mm -hmm. silo, and we think all that we see is all that we can do. But let's get beyond that and say, you know what, let me find some, maybe I can, let, let's shoot, you know, for the star, let, let's swing, I like baseball, let's swing past the, the you know, the trees. Let's, let's, you may not get to be a doctor, but, but don't settle if yes. that's what you think you want to be. And it doesn't have to be Absolutely. a physician. It could be a physician assistant. It could be a nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. But we need more of those folks. And STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. We mm -hmm. need folk pushing um, yep. young folk to get into those areas. And that's, I think that, that's where we as Blacks can mm -hmm. be. Let's let you know. Let's do more quality mentoring. Mm -hmm. You know, the oh gosh, I've arrived and um. Come over here. Time, exactly. No. You don't want to come back into the to the community, right? To, con, to inspire them to, to step up and see someone that looks like them. Exactly. And, and don't be afraid to go into the community. You know, it's like, okay, I've arrived, but you come to me. No, no. Sometimes you got to go where, where they yeah, are. You have to. I've mentored yeah. young ladies and I've gone to their apartment, you know, and, you know, of course I got out of there before it got dark, but, you know, I... <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, be real. <laughs> I mean i'm being real but you gotta be but, real uh, but i do but it was important you know to go to see where they you know where she lived yeah. so that that's just important and i think it's critically important and i don't see enough of that with my fellow black physicians i'm calling y'all out and call because I, i've been in experiences and i've gone in situations where i look around and i'm the only black person doctor mm -hmm. volunteering and it's like where are my colleagues and I remember one of my buddies I, I talked to him about volunteering he says I ain't getting paid to volunteer it's like well duh. <laughs> that's why it's called volunteering but I, and yeah. I try to understand it because you know oftentimes we come from disadvantaged backgrounds I know what I, I did 
And so we're always playing catch up. So sometimes that right. mentality is still there. I still got to be catching up. Trying right. To I'm, I've got work to do. I've got things. Mm-hmm. To I got I to do this. this. I yeah. get it. And I, you know, I felt that, but I always have always volunteered throughout my life. So I've always believed in giving back and give, and being balanced. I can't just be so caught up in making money because making money doesn't make you. You just make mm-hmm. what you already are. Right. So I just want to, you know, to give back that which I have been given and that isn't always money mm-hmm. back some of you know a tithe of what i be i've been blessed to receive mm-hmm. so that's how you get to have more be an example and be there be present yeah. be present show up and let them see you right exactly mm-hmm. i love exactly. it absolutely absolutely uh, and you know i think that is wonderful dr barnes uh, i mean you you are definitely right i think mentoring and being present um you know to allow um you know these young kids who may not even have opportunity to mm-hmm. really see somebody like you in a position that you are in uh, because again i think when i shared my story um just 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 learning about the profession of healthcare administration i didn't learn mm-hmm. that until i was what 18 19 years old mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. having a simple conversation with a physician that mm-hmm. really led me to going into that field and so now it's like whenever i see uh, you know, just, you know, young boys and girls, I'm always talking to them about the healthcare field, the different mm-hmm. career path and opportunities. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, whether we realize it or not, but just having a simple conversation and exposing somebody to that realm of, of, of career path, mm-hmm. that may be that thing that just set them off to, you know, to do great things. And so um, I, I appreciate that. And, and I think that helps because, again, everyone's not going to be a physician, but some are going to be. I used to joke with him about being a pencil pusher, but I do really respect <laughs> what he does. Um, and, and being in the, <laughs> hiding behind that computer, Renee. Where's Renee? It's like I'm standing right here. You can all have to send me an email. You can talk to me. <laughs> But it, but it's important for people like oh, Renee yeah. to be in those positions because then you can get more people in leadership. That's how we change this this dynamic. Oh. Getting folk, you know, duplicate yourself, but yeah. but not but not just duplicate yourself. Duplicate someone and let them do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You tell me a couple of nights ago. She says, "I want to be like you when I get older." I said, mm, "I want you to be better than me." Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I want to switch gears a little bit from the entrepreneur standpoint. So, you know, with you being the CEO of Barone Health and Medical Advisory, if you don't mind, please share with us what, I mean, how did, you know, how did Barone uh, Health and Medical Advisory come to be about? You really want to know. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) It started 10 years ago. um, and uh, Barone stands for Bar, which is my last name, and O-N-E, which is O'Neill, is short for my mother's name. So that's what Barone is. Yeah. But I was working, I wanted to work as an independent contractor. And I, I said, well, I need to set up an LLC, a, a corporation wherein I can develop Barone. So I developed it 10 years ago, but didn't do very much with it because then I became an employee physician. But most recently in the last year, year and a half, I've come back to it. And so Barone is the umbrella of everything that I, I do now and I'm developing a business and it's a speaker, you know, being a professional speaker, uh, community advocate and 
So Barone consists of many things. Speaking is one, but also F7G3, which I can talk about that, and play. We can talk about that, but... (coughs) I help help with that, too. (laughs) Okay, okay. I knew knew this was going to come. Okay. Okay, let me talk about play. Okay. Many decades ago, many years ago, oh Lord, I realized that you know, I'm a person that, that believes, you know, I don't believe in doing something and it's not working. And you know, we, we go through the motion as a physician, say, you know, patients that are overweight or just not healthy, you say, okay, exercise and lose weight and, and get physically active, da, da, da. and you and I soon realize that people are not doing that, they mm. like it goes in that ear and then it goes back out that ear, it doesn't go through. And so, because I get tired of seeing the same thing and, and being ineffective, I said, what is something that's gonna be more effective? People just need to get physically active. You know, mm-hmm. start, get off the sofa, stop flipping channels like I did earlier today, but just get up and get <laughs> active. Yeah. And so, I thought of, I talked to Renee Lemain <laughs> back <laughs> in the day, and I told this to him. And so, we, i.e., he came. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> play, which is stands for you might as well say it, Renee. Productive, I'll say it. Productive living always. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and he gets credit for it. So, what that means is find <laughs> something that you enjoy doing, mm-hmm. activity you enjoy doing. You decide as a patient, as a consumer, whomever, and you do that on a regular basis. What does that do? A couple of things. You choose, and you're gonna be more consistent because you're not working out. You're not, mm-hmm. neither of those sounds real exciting. They sound very punitive, but you're playing productive living always young. And so you find something you enjoy doing and you do it. For me, yeah. I like dancing. I'm a dancing machine. I love um, it. <laughs> I mean, I, I can drop it, pick it up, all that. <laughs> <laughs> the music comes on even without the music, right? Just right here, <laughs> got the music. <laughs> <laughs> and release. But it, but it burns calories, and so I started counting. I said, "You can for four times. That's about six, about eighteen minutes." So you know, people say, you know, used to say, "Okay, you exercise for thirty minutes a day, three times a week." Okay, sure. But you say, "Okay, do Cupid Shuffle four times Monday, Wednesday, Friday." You started, you got 18 minutes right there. You started doing, and you're, you know, is it expensive? No, you go on YouTube, you find Cupid Shuffle. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, help me vision Cupid. It's like, I started that a couple of times, I guess. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) thousand. (laughs) So Cupid Shuffle, you know, you do it at every wedding, every funeral, Mm. and and I request it. So that's what I do. I also like tennis, and I've really started playing tennis again. Um, I frankly think the treadmill and exercise equipment is from the devil. I think it's the, <laughs> I really don't like Jeez. any of them. I think they're spawns and, and I don't know. But, um, but I'll say that. I know, right? <laughs> First part of his day in the gym, right? <laughs> I look, I mean, I look at treadmills and it's like, <laughs> it's true. You got to, no, but, but that's not me. Mm-hmm. But, but that's the key with play is you find what you like to do. And so when I would tell my patients, it's like, well, can I do, can I do this? I said, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not going to tell you to do, you decide right. 
you decide because then you become accountable and then you become the person that, you know, has to make it happen because it's on you. And you enjoy it all along. And you enjoy it. Exactly. And it was so important for me to do this that I actually had it copywritten by the United States government. So no one else used our acronym, Renee, Clay. He never lets me forget that he helped me it's think. It's all of yours. It's all yours. <laughs> okay, you heard that. You heard that, Jan. I heard right? it. It's we got it on recording. Okay, so, <laughs> when, so when we start when we start making millions and multi-millions, he's not coming up there and we have him coming back for your royalty. And he, he wants some money. He wants some money. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but it but it and, and when I started doing that with patients, they really enjoyed it. So then I decided, let's take that to my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So I decided to be a little jazz it up a little bit and I call it people over the age of 50 I call it F7 G3 and F7 stands for fabulous fit 50 faithful female foxy friends and G3 is gents and (laughs) And what was G3 again I missed it Renee interrupt me I'm sorry G3 is gents Because he's not there yet, but he can be there next year. Um, Gents get going. So the whole premise, you remember when Michelle Obama, first lady, my favorite first lady, as far as I'm concerned, my only first lady, um, had children and getting physically active, get up and move. I said, we need to do that as black physicians. I need to as a black physician for my patients, not just the, you know, black patients, white patients, all patients, but then with my colleagues, my alumni buddies. So I started a group within my Facebook page of F7G3 of people over the age of 50. And it's the same premise of play. Find something you like to do and just post it on a regular basis. And right, we started out with 22 initial members. We got as high as 122 people. And then I had a, uh, I had a little come to Jesus because I, we were, I was seeing the same people posting. And I said, this is not something that, this is not a, a just a sport that you observe this is participation mm. so really you know that's the importance of it and, and, and so then it trickled down so now I think there are about 92 people that but still going from 22 to 92 over a few months this year has been phenomenal and people are accountable if someone doesn't post someone else will say you know okay you guys you know get on the stick you know so to speak feel <laughs> you know I do I do you know, push-ups, and I hated push-ups, but now I've learned to embrace push-ups because I'm challenging myself. I've done as high as 111 push-ups at one time. What? 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 <laughs> I gotta see this. I don't believe this. Ooh, I know. I <laughs> well, I stopped. Video that. Like a- Did you post that on your Facebook page? <laughs> oh yes, because because I, I went one. This. I went one over, one over the gentleman that had done 110, so I had to do 111. <laughs> that was see, the I'm administrator. But I started out doing zero. I could not do a push-up, and I told them, and so they challenged me, and so I started doing, I started out doing six, then I did 13, and I said, okay, I can do 20, and then I kept going, and today I did 80. Wow. Mm. And I, and I right. feel so great. See, Renee? Eh. <laughs> you don't need a gym on no treadmill. You need a gym <laughs> in the house. Arms. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. But they're enjoying it, and one so. gentleman said to me, he says, you know, thank you, Cody Babb, that's my Facebook name, don't, don't ask me why. Thank you, Cody Babb, for starting this because what 
the whole purpose of it, yeah, it's to get them active, but hopefully to, to change the tide of the black folk having heart disease and stroke mm -hmm. in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and being obese. Let's, in a fun way, let's turn that corner so that we can stop being the stat mm -hmm. that everybody else looks up on. It's like, wow, the blacks have the highest rate of heart disease, diabetes. Yeah. Let's see that come down. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. I enjoy it, Absolutely. and I think it's great. And, and at some point in time, my goal with F7G3 is to have a national play day for adults where there's one, okay. I don't know when, right now we can't do it with COVID, but in the future that everybody does their physical activity over the age of 50, and then they post it. Mm. We should we should do that. I mean, let's do a play challenge. I love that. Yeah. You, know? okay, you get that started. You get yes. that guitar. You start playing, and you, you figure out a way to make it happen. Yes. I see the play, I see the guitars in the background. Uh huh. You got a musical all over but, that. But I, but I do, and I'd come really close to having that done several years ago. And, and Renee was involved with this, and I was we were going to have the city of Arlington. I was going to meet with the mayor and. Like mm. Feathers and I went over some some people that said, oh, how does she get to do that as a doctor? And so they said, oh, we can't do that. So it wasn't going to happen. I said, but that's okay. It will happen. Mm -hmm. Happen in this organization. Mm -hmm. Right. But there is going to be a Absolutely. play day. Yes. Yeah, you I agree. Get into existence. There is going exactly. to be a national exactly. play day. <laughs> mm -hmm. You heard it here it first. It might be a social media right? challenge. Huh? Huh? We could said it might be a social media yeah social media. yes why yes. not yes yes either social media challenge or even uh maybe make it an actual event uh, within texas uh to where maybe i don't know um a dance uh you know you know maybe hooking up with a dance studio and uh, introducing it there or or maybe even having some type of sporting event since you like sports i think it's you know it'd be <laughs> You know, Renee, get you're trying, folks Renee, you're trying to get credit for this. So you're trying to <laughs> No, no. I'm just hey. I told you you could say you could have play. I told you. Listen, it's all about collaborative. I did listen. I love that's right. Partnership. That's right. You know? mm, okay. But Don't but yeah, those good ideas. I, you know? do. I, I want I think it's just important. It really is. I just want to see us living longer and living better. Better yeah. quality lives. Better yeah. quality of life. And we can do that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. This is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's seven of seven. Well, so last question, last question of the day. So with your company, uh, we always ask um, anybody that we interview on this podcast show is, you know, how do they see their company being a healthcare disruptor in the healthcare industry, whether it's today or even sometime in the future? Do you feel that, um, you know, Barone Health and Medical Advisory being a company that is going to disrupt healthcare in a good way? And if so, how? I believe we've just answered that question. So yes, I do believe it's a healthcare disruptor because we're gonna change the norm. We're talking so much about, you know, now a new normal. I believe in healthcare there needs to be a new normal and that new normal does not include health disparities. That new normal doesn't include the statistics for African-Americans and blacks being so high in certain areas. So yes, whatever I can do to disrupt that and I believe I'm doing that with, um, Barone and specifically with F7G3 Play 
and even in other initiatives, which I am not at liberty to speak about, but just address those um, institutional racism, all those things will disrupt healthcare. Mm. But we, it needs to Absolutely. be And I, I like that name. I thought it was weird at first. Why we call them healthcare disruptive? I, I thought it was odd, but I, but I understand <laughs> it now because the norm has been disruptive. Mm-hmm. Right. It's time to to route it and reroute the way a paradigm shift in the how we think and how we do healthcare yeah. and not medicine but healthcare. Okay. Correct. Yes. Absolutely. Healthcare. I love that you said that instead of medicine, healthcare. Mm-hmm. It's healthcare. Mm-hmm. But we each have to own it, and that's my my takeaway. My last my message I'd like to say is everyone has to to own it. And I put that on my F7 G3. And what is it for you? It 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 is individualized. For mm-hmm. me, it's Barone. For you, Renee, it's your organization. For you, Jasmine, it, it may vary. It may be different with your guitars and your um, all your musical. But own it, meaning do the best which you're called to do with what you've been given by God. Mm-hmm. That you own it. We never arrive, but we keep owning it. And right. we get our own and we we put it out there so that others can be blessed by what we have been blessed to receive and to give mm. absolutely absolutely well thank you so much dr barnes if people want to be able to reach you to get a, a hold of you how can they find you they can't <laughs> <laughs> they can reach me gosh let's see i'm single so it's 972 no <laughs> Send a picture first, please. And a resume. Barone HMA, which is Barone Health and Medical Advisory.com. We're working on the website. So if someone sends something and it bounces back, be patient because I have a web designer that's working on it, but that it's going to be BaroneHMA.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And do you have any social media page for Barone? I do. I don't, I'm not on the much, but I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and okay. Instagram. Okay. Barone HMA. Okay. I'm not up there often because I'm old, but try to remember. <laughs> you have to get hit with it. Come on. I know. I know. You got yeah, Renee. No way to it. <laughs> Uh, well that's wonderful again you know thank you so much for coming on the show Dr. Barnes Um, you know I think just you sharing your insight on you know inequality within healthcare sharing some of your experience but also from an entrepreneur standpoint just really talking about what you're doing in the community with F7 and G3 and and play Mm -hmm. and and I know you also have your medical moments as well too where you do oh yes yeah yeah Talk, share just and that's just quick that's on Facebook I will give you know just some information on what's going on now in healthcare right. or something that I think folk need to know because I, I just like for my Facebook friend to be knowledgeable not just talk about president and all that foolishness but let's talk about something that really matters like our yeah. wellness and healthcare absolutely absolutely so without any further ado thank you again and it's a pleasure to have you thank you it was a pleasure thank you, thank you so much doctor thank you Thank you, Jasmine. It was nice meeting you. Nice seeing you again, Renee. And um, (laughs) all right. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check back for new episodes of Healthcare Disrupted. Find out more at www.healthcaredisrupted.org.
Until next time.